Hey everybody. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back. To nighttime television. Welcome back to our Odd Pod podcast. A podcast dedicated to the odd, the macabre, and all that other stuff that's in between there. What? <laughs> Just kidding. Let's start. Let's start. No, for... <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> that's what you decided to do. That's what we're running with. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Uh, I don't we're know. Channeling our inner wine and crime. I Sleep think. Sleep deprivation. Should we <laughs> do the intro over? Nope. I told you we're sticking to that. Okay, but let's give it a let's give it a good one, a serious one. I'll keep it, but you got to do it for real. No, that was it. Oh, that was it. Okay. <laughs> well, hi. Hello, welcome back, oddballs. Hey, everybody. Hey, all those oddballs out there. Your intro really <laughs> caught me off guard. Thank you. <laughs> it's my goal to throw you off every episode. So. We've gotten thirty seconds in, and that's the fastest derailment ever. Yeah. I feel yeah, proud. Way to go. I think I should get like a certificate like a or golf something. Clap, like a balloon, maybe. Ooh, I do like balloons. Okay, well. They're not very good for the environment, though, are they? No. Why is everything we love so hurtful? <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it on that solemn note. <laughs> Luckily, we have a very cheerful episode this week. Oh, God. It is far from it. I'll tell you that. It's also like 9.30 at night. You're 9.30 at night. It, you just woke up. You just I woke need to up. go to bed. Uh, you get your COVID vaccine tomorrow. I get my COVID vaccine tomorrow. Very excited. The Pfizer, though. Not suspicious. Well, I'm getting microchips, so it's whatever. I'm you not concerned own, about it. You know, can't get Moderna like a normal person. I get the Pfizer. It's the only one available to me. That's the penis one. What? Pfizer makes uh, Viagra. Oh. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. should my erection last more than four hours, I'll give you a call. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. <laughs> oh, um, before we get started, I know you guys were on the edge of your seats based off of last week's episode. Turns out we do not have a Netflix subscription anymore. <laughs> as soon as you started saying that, I was like, fuck, there's something about last week that I was that I need to correct. And that was it. Yeah. We do not have a Netflix subscription. Count it. Billy won. Felicia Four, but I'm catching up. <laughs> um, also, real quick, some humble groveling, I guess. Should you feel so inclined, please like, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, maybe. Um, Pretty much any positive thing you can do on iTunes, we'll, we want it. iTunes, give us a follow on Spotify. Spotify. Thumbs up elsewhere, I'm sure. Podbean. Yeah, Podbean. Google Podcasts. Anywhere. Amazon Music. Pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, we're there. Yeah. I so. found us places on the internet that I did not put us. Really? So, yeah. Where? We have like a podcast profile page on this website. And it says like how many likes we have and like where you can, all links and shit. Our RSS is on there. Weird. Isn't that weird? What? We're like official podcasters. Wow. Okay, cool. I didn't know that. 
<laughs> well, um, you can find us at www.ouroddpodpodcast.com or linktr.ee slash OOPP. I need you to calm down. I just woke up and I'm loaded with espresso now. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, so. the free Having it in the freezer was the move. It's real good. And, well, Sorry, you're going to hear good. You're definitely going to hear my ice because I need to finish this. Or do I? I mean. I don't think you need to finish it. I think you're pretty wired right now. All right, so enough. Enough chit chat. Enough chit chat. Thank you. Uh, let's talk about why we're all here today. Our moms. Thanks, mom. Okay, well, this is not the Mother's Day episode. Oh. I don't know when that is. Is that bad? It's in May. Is it? Mother's Day? Yes. Billy Day is in May as well. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> sorry. Okay. <laughs> Focus. I'm focused. Okay, why, why are we here today? I'm just going, don't say mom, don't say mom. <laughs> um... We're here to talk about Peter Curtin. Yes, that guy. Do you Peter Curtin tail? No. Hopping down the killer trail. Hippity hoppity. He eats people's flesh. Close. Does he eat people? No. No. All right. No. But okay. Let's let's okay. let's get it. Let's wind it in. All I'm right, sorry. So, dial it in, Billy. Dial it in. Okay. All right. Odd balls. I don't do drugs, guys. Settle down close. Lean into your speakers unless you're driving. Stay where you are. Pay yeah. attention to the road. Turn the um, lights down real low. Yeah. <laughs> this story is a wild one. And I would consider it to be pretty serious at that. Oh, boy. I've rewritten this episode twice. Because um, the first time I wrote it, I was like, wow. Okay, wow. That's a lot. <laughs> Writing it. There's even like moments where I was like, hmm. Ugh. You're like, ooh, do I want to talk about this? Yeah, I was like, I don't know if I want to say some of that. So um, I don't want this like episode to be a bunch of doom and gloom. Um, oh, boy. Um, I like laughing at the odd and macabre and everything else in between. But it was difficult with this case. Because um, okay. we're dealing with some pretty serious things. Um, so... I've taken the liberty of leaving some of those things out purely for the sake of not triggering people. So I do want to talk about Peter Curtin. Peter Curtintail. Peter Curtintail. <laughs> A.K.A. the Vampire of Dusseldorf. The Vampire of Dusseldorf. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you know where they call him that? He was a vampire who lived in Dusseldorf. No, it's because he's still alive. It's because he's still alive. Yes. Why do they call him that? Because he's still alive. Well, he was born sense. in 1883. 1883? Yeah. No way he's still alive. I was kidding. He's not oh. alive. I was like, no, not a fucking chance. <laughs> he's Is also. It... <laughs> because he drank people's blood. Yeah. And he lived in, like, I don't think he lived in Dusseldorf, did he? He lived nearby? He lived in Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf. Okay. Anyway, so. Why do I think he was called like the Vampire of Hanover or something? Because I said that. Oh, okay. Um, he's also known as the Dusseldorf Monster, 
and the king of sexual perverts. Oh, the king of sexual perverts. Yes, wow. His crimes include arson, attempted robbery, attempted murder, breaking and entering, burglary, murder, theft, threatening behavior, and seduction. Wait, his crime includes seduction? Yes. Because last I checked, seduction is not a crime. I just want to let you guys know he just like winked at me and I didn't like it. <laughs> All right, sorry. Time and a place, I guess. <laughs> Other things I want to mention that are involved in this story uh, involves like sexual abuse, Ooh. child abuse, alcohol abuse, bestiality. And I'm going to do my best to talk about these things in a less descriptive way, if it's, that makes any sense at all. Basically, all your abuse, all your standard abuse. If abuses. you can abuse it, here it is. If you can abuse it, Peter Curtin. Peter Curtin, pretty much. Um, so we briefly mentioned Peter Curtin in our first episode uh -huh. um, with Armin Mivis, because this was Armin Mivis, like inspo guy. That's his inspiration, which is weird to me because he seems like a crazy, rapey deviant. Yes, and the Armin Mivis was a very consensual sweet boy. cannibal. Yes, he was a, he was sweet. He was a nice a nice boy. He was sweet to the meat that he wanted to eat. <laughs> um so uh obviously they're not the same as we'll learn, but they both had fairly troubled childhoods. While different, still troubled, very troubled. Um and I really wanted to bring it full circle with Armin because as we know, Armin is my favorite cannibal. And yeah, I'm always because... trying to learn more about his I want to know more about him because normal people have favorite cannibals. I never claim to be normal. I don't know. I don't. Who's my favorite cannibal? Probably Vlad. I'm pretty sure he ate people. Vlad the Impaler. Okay. No, we'll I don't think he actually ate people. We'll let's, talk about him one day. Yeah. So, um, let's learn a little bit about the people who inspired Armin. Let's learn about the inspiration behind that cannibal sensation. Armin Mivis. Take it away, Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about his childhood. Okay. It's sad as fuck. So sad. Um, let's hang on to the fact that dogs exist and we don't deserve them. All right, so. Okay. Are we about to uh, get nope. into some dog abuse? Not yet. Okay. My, I, the... I, just, I just like thinking about dogs. They make me feel better. My energy level between now and 30 minutes ago has spiked. <laughs> don't, I don't know if I'm in the right headspace for the sad stuff. Well, towards the end, it'll get better. Okay. Light at the end of the tunnel. It's uh, it's going to be a whirlwind of emotions, I think. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So Peter Curtin was born into a family of poverty on May 26, 1883, which makes him a Gemini. Are we even surprised? I believe it's pronounced Jiminy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> just like, just kidding. Uh, we're just trying to keep things as light as they can be right now. Yeah, so light and fluffy like whipped cream. Yeah, so uh, that ends in a couple of sentences from now. So he's the third of 13 children. Jesus, is that the sentence? Because that's pretty depressing. Yeah. They lived in Mulheim and Rhein in Germany. Probably butchered that. 
Mulhine and Amrine. Okay. Um, and for all research purposes, his family was abusive, to put it kindly. Yeah. Um, both of his parents were alcoholics. You got 13 kids. You're going to drink, probably. They all lived in a one-bedroom apartment. Okay. 15 of them in one bedroom. Yeah. Uh, his Casual. father was more of like the physically abusive one. Okay. While I believe his mom was more complacent in the, the abuse. Yeah. So his dad would beat his wife and children. Casual. Casual. Um, and on the nights that his father would drink, he would often force his wife and children to assemble before him before ordering his wife to strip down naked and engage in intercourse with him while his children watched. Oh, my God. Yeah. What the fuck? So we're already not off to a great start. Not a great start. No. Uh, so like when Peter was 11, his father, in some miraculous change of fate, was jailed for 15 months for repeatedly raping his eldest daughter. Okay. She was only 13. Woof. God. Um, so and while he was... So basically 15 months in jail is a slap on the wrist, whatever. That's nothing. Yeah. Especially for like that heinous act. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. But Peter's mom was able to obtain a separation order and later remarried where the family would move to Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully um, into like more than a one bedroom. I don't know where they moved into, but. Either way. As long as they're away from the rapist, right? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. But before any of that could happen, knowing only violence, when Peter was five, mm -hmm. Peter would actually attempt to drown one of his playmates. Um, when and he was five? When he was five. Yeah. And only four years later, he befriended a local dog catcher who lived in the same building as his family. Peter would accompany him on his rounds. Okay. And first of all, fuck this dude. Which one? The dog catcher. Okay. He didn't help the situation at all. All right. I, I figured that was coming. This guy would torture and kill all the animals he caught. Oh, my God. So what did Peter start doing? Torturing and killing animals. He became an active and willing participant in torturing animals. That's not great. No. Nope. Not good. If you remember from, I can't remember which episode was it, when we talked about like what makes a serial killer, abusing animals is already on like the homicidal triad thing. That was like a whole episode, wasn't it? It was a whole episode. Oh, wow. Or I'm already starting to forget things. Yeah. So like reading that, I was just waiting for him to like wedding, start wetting the bed and setting things on fire. Yeah. And that's what he did? Eventually. He I don't know about the, oh, I don't know about wetting the bed, but like we'll talk it? about the fire. I want to know what about it makes them wet the bed why is that such a common thing i don't know it's like is it before or after they start doing crazy shit that that you start wetting the bed you know we should i will look that up okay so peter was the eldest surviving son he had two brothers that died i don't know how if it was like either like a sickness or like abuse mysterious circumstances mysterious circumstances peter killed them yeah <laughs> somebody um, so Peter was much the target of like much of his father's physical abuse. Um, Again, I thought they left that dude. If you weren't listening when I said, but before all that could happen. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, so okay. he was considered a good student um, for the most part, mm -hmm. but it was suggested that his academic performance suffered due to the extensive physical violence he endured from his father. Okay. Um, to escape the abuse, he would often run away. For various periods of times um could be a few days could be a few weeks but 
a lot of his time was spent on the streets. The mean streets. Well, he would spend it in the company of petty criminals and mis- uh, misfits. Ergo, he was introduced to the world of petty crime. Petty crime. Which began as like a means of feeding and clothing himself while living on the streets because his parents weren't taking care of him. Yeah. So I guess I can see where this behavior is coming from. And like, God damn, does it break my heart for this kid. And just to point out, like, we can mourn the loss of his innocence, like childhood of innocence lost, you know? Yeah. He really never stood a chance, like from the get go. We can mourn baby Peter, but also fuck grown up Peter. No, he's we'll talk about it later. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, Peter Curtin claims to have committed his first murder at the ripe old age of nine. As you do. He claims that. It doesn't mean he did it. He said that he pushed a school friend who he knew was unable to swim off a log. Uh, um, a log raft, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and when a second boy attempted to save the drowning boy, Curtin held both boys' heads underwater so that they would drown. Okay, what the fuck? Where was this? Where were they on a raft? And where was their supervision? I would assume that this is like the early 1900s or like 1890s. Okay. Like, I don't remember being supervised when I was a kid. That's fair. So like. It's like the worst version of Tom Sawyer. Yeah. So like he was allowed like to Huckleberry just. Huckleberry Finn. Which one was on a raft? I think it was Huck Finn. Huck Finn. Yeah. Okay. So like. <laughs> um, However. Uh, those deaths were ruled by authorities as being accidental. So maybe Curtin was talking out his ass. I don't know. Or you show up and there's like two drowned kids and a nine-year-old that's still alive and no one probably thinks, hey, you know who probably did this? The this nine-year-old, nine-year-old probably did it. And he's, he's like, like <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was me. Evil. <laughs> it was me. Yeah. So. I murdered my schoolmates. <laughs> At the age of 13, Peter gets a girlfriend. At the age of 13? Yeah. Peter gets a girlfriend. Hey, hey, girl, you like multiple murderers? Peter mm. gets a girlfriend. Peter gets a girlfriend. All right, and, tell me about Peter's girlfriend. Okay, well, it was at this point in my research that I became concerned that this case might be a little bit too much for some people. Okay. And I was like, I went down a rabbit hole trying to find other podcasts, YouTube videos, and indeed, they're, they're out there. I didn't listen to them because that makes me feel weird. But till after, right? Like I don't listen, I don't listen to anything that I'm gonna talk about either. Cause it, yeah, I feel weird about it. <laughs> yeah. So they might go into things that I'm not gonna go into. And you can go check them out. I don't know. Yeah, find them yourself. What are we here to suggest podcasts to you? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't any like podcast people that I listened to, so I wasn't gonna like start a new podcast if that makes sense but uh, anyway there's other podcasts out there you have a lot of podcasts that you listen to already (laughs) so i wasn't gonna like i didn't words are i got you okay okay so other people talk about this so like i was saying so does something bad happen to peter's girlfriend we're gonna find out Ooh, yeah okay she's she's okay i think um so like I was saying, at the age of 13, Peter gets into this relationship with a girl his age. They do normal teenage things. Um, like what? Well, there's still fetuses in my eyes, so um, she would say no to any attempts to engage in older behavior. Okay. 
Um, and so in order to relieve his sexual urges, Peter resorts to the acts of like bestiality. Oh my God. Oh, look, in parentheses, I said, we wait for Billy's audible disgust. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Are you a wizard? <laughs> I, I'm inside your head. Oh, crazy. <laughs> so this will be an instance of me sparing the details because honestly, I didn't even want to read them. I'm just saying like, how many details do we need? There are more. <laughs> Bestiality pretty much sums it up. Well, there I there was descriptions. Um, but curtains or Peter said he obtained his greatest sense of elation when he actually stabbed these animals just before him achieving orgasm. Oh my God. And Peter, no. Yeah. <laughs> he was adamant that this behavior ended when he was observed stabbing a pig. So I guess that was the end of that. Oh, I was going to ask if we knew what kind of animals he was bestialitizing. A fair few. I'm afraid. At least a pig. Anyway, God. At least a pig. <laughs> Awful. There's also another suggestion that he attempted to rape his sister that his father had raped years ago. So good godly fuck. Yeah, fucking hell, man. Jesus. Yeah. So. In 1897, Peter leaves school at his father's insistence. He obtains employment as an apprentice molder. Um, and if you don't know what that is, they work on the shipyard. Okay. Doing. Molding, sh I guess. Shipyard things. Shipyard things. Got it. Um, he worked there for two years before um, Peter stole all the money he could find in his household, plus 300 marks from his employer. And then he ran away from home. Never to return? Marks being like. Money. money. Got you. German marks, right? German marks. It's like pre-Euro German money. Yeah. Yeah. I know things. I was, maybe somebody else didn't know. Marks yeah. are can also be wrestling fans. You, you want to fight? Cause... So if you're listening out there, you fucking marks. Stop trying to pick everything apart and just enjoy the show. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he ended up in, I'm going to butcher it. All right. Coblins. A city in Germany where he had a very brief relationship with a prostitute that lasted little less than four weeks. <laughs> uh, it lasted little more than 45 minutes. <laughs> he was apprehended and charged with breaking and entering and theft. Mm -hmm. um, and he was sentenced to one month in prison. How old is he at this point? He is like 15? He's less than 18. Okay. Because he was born in 83. He's 97. Well, he's like 15 at this point. Okay. Yeah. I was like, because I'm pretty sure he went to work at the shipyard when he was 13, worked there for two years, then stole all their shit and ran away. Yeah, so this is 1899, and he will be, math is hard. Anyway. Anyway, who cares? He's a teenager. <laughs> yeah. He's not 20 yet. Right. And he's in prison for a month. Yeah. So he's released from prison in August 1899, and he reverted to a life of petty crime that he had lived before his arrest. Okay, huh? Thought you were gonna say he turned things around and got a good head on his shoulder. Around, got a decent job. Stopped bestialitizing man animals, <laughs> and that's the end. All right, so let's really get the ball rolling on this guy. Let's get the ball rolling. Ah, he gets out of prison in eighteen ninety nine, just like I said. In November of that same year, Kurt or sorry, Peter claims to have committed his first adult murder. Like the first murder of an adult or the first murder as an adult? As an adult. Okay, so we're considering him an adult at this point. Yeah, I would. Okay, all right. He's at least 18 at this point. Oh, now he's 18? 1899. I thought we were just talking about how he was 
less than eight. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's just continue. Age math is not my good math. Okay. okay. He, we can agree that at this point he was an age though. Yes. Okay. He was at least of an age. He was born. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Many years prior to this. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he claims to have committed his first, what we consider at the time, an adult murder. Adult murder. He claims to have picked up an 18-year-old, persuaded her to accompany him to a, to a park, and he claims they engaged in sex. They did the sex. They did the sex. He claims they did the sex. They did the sex. And then he strangled her into unconsciousness with his bare hands before leaving the scene, and he believed her to be dead. Okay. There is no record to corroborate these claims. However... If this attack did take place, the victim likely survived. Okay. Um, takes a long time to choke someone to death, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's very bad at strangling people. Yeah? Yeah. Is that something, is that like a recurring theme? Yes. <laughs> he needs Either one way. of those little, you know what I'm talking about? The little pooper scooper thing? No, like, a, um, it's like the little hand exerciser thingies, you know? Oh, yeah, we're going to get him like a, like a, like a squeeze them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either way. Uh, Peter said that by committing this act, he had proven himself that the greatest height of sexual ecstasy could only be achieved in this manner. Oh, my God. Like, calm I, down, Edgelord. I feel like it's just like a slippery slope into oh, necrophilia. Oh, man, it's getting bad. Into necrophilia, yeah. Wait. Okay. All right, so shortly after, in 1900, Peter would be arrested for fraud, and later in the same year, he would be rearrested on the same charge. Fraud. Although... Being the charge. Okay. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the fraud was, but something we can agree that it was something fraudulent. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So although charges pertaining to his eighteen ninety nine theft plus an attempted murder of a girl with a firearm were added to his indictment. Um, Peter was sentenced to four years in prison in October of nineteen hundred. Mind you, he he would be seventeen at this point. Okay. In nineteen hundred. So we have confirmed now that he is 17 in 1900. Yes. Okay. Okay. So in the summer of 1904, Peter was released from prison and he was drafted into the Imperial German Army to serve oh. in the 98th Infantry Regiment. In World War One. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he um he did end up deserting. Oh, uh, of course. Yeah. Um, and then in autumn he started setting things on fire. Ding, 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 ding. Arson. There we go. There you go. So he's setting things on fire. Check his sheets. Is he also a pee pants? <laughs> um, saying, somebody probably should have told him that if he wouldn't have deserted, he probably would have had a chance to kill a lot of people legally. Maybe yeah. that's not as fun. Maybe. That's like when a they, hands-on When person. they shoot back, it's probably not as fun. You know? <laughs> um. So like, I'm going to count him as a child because like. Now we're counting him as a child again? Stop it. Real world roller coaster. He's setting things on fire. Uh-huh. He's torturing. He's tortured animals. Yes. We're two out of three. Two out of three. We've That's never, all you need, right? I don't know, but like close enough. Did anyone check his like sheets? Um, probably not. Should have asked him. Um, so a majority of these fires were in like barns and haylofts. Um, and Peter would admit to the police that he had committed around like twenty a casual. 24 acts of arson. Jeez Louise. Um, Serial arsonist. Well, he got caught on the New Year's Eve. And he also freely admitted that these fires had been committed both for his sexual excitement and in the hopes of 
burning, sleeping tramps alive. Jesus Christ. Like, just look for the dude with a half a box of matches and just like a raging hard on running yeah, down the street. Pretty much. With pee stains on his pants. <laughs> so, obviously, he's been found out. You've been found out, Peter. Yeah. So, he was tried by the military court and convicted of desertion in addition to arson, robbery, and attempted robbery. They didn't go into much history about what those other charges were about, but it landed him in prison from 1905 to 1913. That's a hefty amount. Yeah, so he's, he's back lucky, in prison. Though, like he deserted in wartime. He's lucky they didn't just murder him. Yeah. Um. So he served his time in Munster. Ooh, like the cheese. I thought about that. <laughs> I was like, ooh, cheese. Um. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> he Let's just take a moment to appreciate cheese. Mm. Yeah, happy, happy thoughts. As we... Palate cleanser, monster cheese. Delve further into the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> um, so while he was in Munster, he would spend most of his time in solitary confinement for insubordination. Okay. During his stay there, he encountered his first severe forms of discipline. And he told investigators his fantasies became more like paramount and overbearing, like inside his head. So he couldn't get the idea of striking out striking out at society and killing masses of peoples uh, like masses of people yeah he well, couldn't get good. it out of his head yeah he was just thinking about it all the time especially while he was in solitary confinement jesus christ oh, this dude's fucking hardcore man literally just like one thing after another it does not let up yeah it's just like non-stop it's like somebody took fucking uh the guy, what's that fucking dude's name? I don't know. He called himself Charles Bronson. He was like an English prisoner who would fight the guards and shit. You know what I'm talking about? No. And they molded him in with like a little Ted Bundy and fucking <laughs> Genghis Khan. I don't fucking know. This dude's like just a smorgasbord of fucked up. Yeah. I was not expecting this. Yeah. Um. So. Oh, man. What the fuck, man? Yeah. <laughs> it like. It doesn't stop. Like, the more I was, like, looking into it, I was like, and then he did what? Jesus Christ, man. Okay. <laughs> and, like, I'm not even talking about some of the stuff that he did. Like, I just, I omitted a lot of it. It's, that's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Peter's first documented murder officially occurred on May 25th, 1913. Okay. Like, this one's official. Like, on paper. On paper, official murder. Yeah. He was robbing a tavern in his hometown where he encountered a nine-year-old girl named Christine Klein. Okay. She I was, don't like that we know her name because I feel like something bad's that about too, to happen. I was like, is that too personal? No. <laughs> she was asleep in her bed. He strangled little Christine and slashed her twice across the throat with a pocket knife. And I'm leaving details out of this part because you don't want to know. And if you want to know... You can email me and I'll tell you. I think we can use our imaginations as to what happened. Yeah. So the next day, Peter specifically returned to the tavern. Or um, there was a tavern across from the other tavern mm -hmm. where she was. He found her sleeping in a tavern? Did well, you know, like there's like the bar downstairs and like rooms upstairs. Right, yeah, yeah. This is like what that was. Okay. He... Had a drink in the tavern directly across the street from where he murdered little Christine. And um, he did this so he could listen to the locals' reaction to the child's murder. 
He later recollected to the like investigators that he derived an extreme sense of gratification from the general disgust, repulsion, and outrage he heard from the locals. And then he would often travel back to where he killed little Christine to visit the child's grave and defile it. Oh my God. What the fuck, man? Yeah, so um, re- uh, during his trial, which we'll talk about in the end, he just recounted that evening a little bit for us. This is a quote from him. Okay. It was on the May 25th, 1913, that I had been stealing, specializing in public bars or inns where the owner lived on the floor above. In the room above the inn, I discovered a child of about 10 asleep. Her head was facing the window. I seized it with my left hand and strangled her for about a minute and a half. The child woke up and struggled but lost consciousness. I had a small but sharp pocket knife with me and I held the child's head and cut her throat. I heard the blood spurt and drip on the mat beside me. It spurted in an arch right above my hand. The whole thing lasted about three minutes. Then I locked the door again and went home back to Dusseldorf. Damn. Yeah. Back to Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf. Yeah. It wasn't even two months later before he would kill again. He was robbing a man in a home back in Dusseldorf Mm -hmm. when he discovered a 17-year-old girl named Gertrude Franken asleep in her bed. He strangled her. He managed to escape from that scene undetected. Days after that, Peter was arrested for a series of arsons and burglaries, and he was sentenced to six years in prison. Um, And then while he was in prison, he got two more years for insubordination. Okay. All right. Spent a lot more time in prison than I was expecting. Yeah, he stays in and out of prison for like pretty much half of his life. Okay. But the other half of his life, he spent just like fucking chaos. I also forget that he's still in his 20s at this point, right? Yeah. 1921. He was 17 in 1900. Yeah. 1921. That is 21 years later. So he is 38 now. Right. Is that is that right? Is that correct math? Oh, don't ask me. <laughs> Seventeen plus twenty-one. That's thirty-eight. Yeah. Okay. 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 But he spent like half of his life already in prison. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So he's released in April of nineteen twenty-one. Okay. That is the year he met a woman named um I don't know how to pronounce her name Augustine. Augustine. No. Mrs. Sure? Sharf. Okay. Um. She was a former prostitute who had been previously convicted of shooting her fiance to death. Wow, match Match made made in in heaven. heaven. (laughs) Two years later, they got married. Peter admitted that he could only consummate his marriage by fantasizing about committing acts of violence against against others. Okay. All right, so for the first time in his life, Peter had regular employment. He had become an active trades union official, um, and with the exception of his wife, he formed no close friendships. And in 1925, they moved back to Dusseldorf, where he began an affair with a servant girl named Tide. Tide? Yeah. Like the pods? No. Okay. I'm probably pronouncing her name wrong. Sorry, girl. Um, And a housemaid named Mech. I, I know I'm pronouncing that one correctly, though. So. You know Tide. you're pronouncing it correctly? Yeah. Okay. Mech, I, I can pronounce correctly. Tide. I tried. Um. <laughs> uh, so like all good affairs, his wife found out. Um, Tide reported Peter to the police claiming he had seduced her 
and uh, Mick alleged that Peter had raped her. Okay. Um, the more serious charge was dropped for some reason, and Peter earned an eight-month prison stay for seduction and threatening behavior. Okay, again, I'm confused. I guess, like, I'm thinking of seduction as something else than probably what this... I'm sure they're calling seduction as, like, some kind of, like, like sexual coercion? assault. Sexual coercion? Probably sexual assault. Okay. Just sounds nicer as uh, seduction. Okay. I don't know. It's like he put on his good shirt. <laughs> he made me dinner. He lit some He's candles. He's a real monster. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know how in Criminal Minds, they're always like, He's escalating. No. Really? I don't. I've seen like two episodes with you. Uh, all right, guys. So you guys out there listening, do you know how like in Criminal Minds where in like they start doing things all chaotic and Hotch will go, he's escalating. Hotch is the like the schizo boy? No. That's oh. Reed. Oh, okay. Anyway. Anyway. Peter's escalating. <laughs> He's escalating, y'all. Okay, okay, okay. Um, okay. Hold on, hold on. You guys ready? He's escalating. <laughs> okay, it's about to get wild. It's about to get wild? Yes. Damn, what was it before? Like an easy, breezy, beautiful Sunday morning. Okay, let's go. Let's hear it. All right. Let's get wild. <laughs> Just remember the dates, okay? Okay. All right. February 3rd, 1929. Peter stalked an elderly woman named Alpanina. Sure. Yep, Coon. Um, he waited until she was shielded by some bushes from like from witnesses, and he grabbed her by the lapels of her coat and shouted, "Don't scream!" before dragging oh her into a nearby undergrowth, where he stabbed her twenty-four times with a pair of sharpened scissors. It seems like if you scream, don't scream. It's kind of counterproductive. Yeah. Don't scream. And then he drug her in the alleyway and stabbed her 27 times. Well, she survived. 24 times. She survived. Really? Yes. He's not very good at stabbing. He's not very good. He's... Can you imagine being stabbed 24 times and I don't surviving? Be, I don't want to be. imagine being stabbed once. It's like, were they penetrating stabs or he was just like, meet me, meet me. I get upset. Ow, hey, stop. I get upset when I'm like, accidentally get a splinter. Can't I'm imagine saying. being stabbed 24 times. Right. All right, so that was February 3rd. Okay. February 8th, Peter strangles a nine-year-old girl named Rosa into unconsciousness. He stabbed her in the stomach, the temple, the genitals, and the heart. He did make an attempt to hide her body, dragging it beneath a hedge before, before returning to the scene with a bottle of kerosene several hours later. He then set the child's body on fire. She was found the following day. So now we're just mixing our crimes. Yeah. Okay. February 13th, Peter murders a 45-year-old mechanic named Rudolf Scheer. He stabbed him 20 times in the head, in the back, and in the eyes. Um, Peter returned to the scene after the body had been discovered to talk to the police, saying that he had heard about the murder via telephone. And they bought that? I guess. They're like, oh, yeah, okay, well, well, it seems legit. <laughs> um, I don't feel like there's any, uh, there's no, like, What's the word I'm looking for? His victims aren't similar. Like We're going to talk about that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the nice thing about these attacks and murders was despite the difference in the victim's profiles, each victim had received a multitude of stab wounds with one common wound 
being to the temple. Okay. There was a absence of real motive, like robbery didn't seem to be like the goal. And each attack or murder occurred in the Flangern district of Dusseldorf at around like dusk. Okay. So investigators are starting to think that the same guy did all three of these attacks. Okay. So like the wheels are turning with the police. Between March and July, Peter attempts to strangle four women. And then like one he claims to have thrown into a river, but for all accounts and purposes, they've all survived. Okay. Maybe that was a good thing that he threw her in the river. Yeah. She's like, I I can swim. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right, so he's not able to kill again until August eleventh. Uh oh. August eleventh, Peter kills a young woman named Maria Hahn. Um, she's special for a few reasons and we'll get into it. Okay. Peter met Maria or sorry. Maria, Mariah, Maria, on August 8th, and he described her as a girl looking for marriage. Mm-hmm. Why did that give me the heebie-jeebies? That's weird. That's gross. Yeah. She allowed him to take her on a date the following Sunday on the 11th. He was going to take her to the Neanderthal district of Dusseldorf. Nailed it. Um, Neanderthal district? Yeah. Interesting. Is it named after like the <laughs> cavemen? I don't know. This caveman's not technically accurate, but you know what I mean. Yes. Okay. Um, after several hours of doing whatever Peter thought was nice to do, Peter lured her into a meadow where he would rape, strangle, and stab her. Jesus Christ. Um, Peter reported that she pleaded with him to spare her life as she waited for her to die. And then Marie would die approximately one hour after Peter began attacking her. God damn. So, hold on. His wife has divorced him at this point? Nope. Okay. Sorry. Continue. Why he's still in the picture. So, she's cool with the... She doesn't know about it. I'm talking about the affair? I apparently. All right. Anyway, not not the focus here. <laughs> While all this is happening, Peter is still married. Wife is at home. He's now covered in the blood of a girl who he just went out on a date with, presumably, presumably... She didn't know about. Yeah. So what does Peter do? He goes home covered in blood. He buries her body in a cornfield. Oh, in a cornfield. Yeah. Okay, cool. Apparently murder wasn't enough for Peter because he planned to return several weeks later with the intentions of nailing her decomposing remains to a tree in a mock crucifixion to shock the public. Jesus Louises, man. Peter's fucking theatrical as hell. Yeah, Um. but when he realized that he could not pick up the dead body, he just settled for cuddling it. Okay, that's weird, but just a week old dead body. (laughs) So he did this a number of times before he posted an anonymous letter to the police where he confessed to the murder. He also added the location of her remains and a little drawing so he could, they could help locate them. Okay. Um, She was discovered on November 15th. Jeez, and she was killed on August 11th? Yeah. That is uh... a... he did other things to the body that I'm not going to talk about. Not okay. quite necrophilia, but things I'm not comfortable with describing. Okay. So, are you ready for some more brutality? I guess. <laughs> so, our last attack was on August 11th. This is our last attack? Our last one. Oh, okay. Right. No, we we have plenty more to get through. On August 21st, 
Peter randomly stabs an 18-year-old girl, a 30-year-old man, and a 37-year-old woman in separate attacks. They were all seriously wounded, but... um, Just randomly? He's just ra- walking down the street? He literally he didn't say anything to them before the attack, but I'm pretty sure they all lived. On August 14th, Peter kills two girls, foster sisters, ages 5 and 14, in a gruesome attack. This attack would be the first time that he would bite and suck the blood from his victim's wounds. Oh, uh, now he's the vampire of Dusseldorf. I feel a change. Um, <laughs> on August 15th, Peter asked a 27-year-old housemaid named Gertrude to have sex with him. Um, she declined, and Peter shouted, We'll die then! Before then, stabbing her in the head, neck, shoulder, and back. Jesus Christ, She man. survived. Gertrude. She wasn't able to give like a description of her attacker, Um and after that, he would attempt to murder at least two more people before changing his weapon of choice. Dude, can we just talk about how dramatic this motherfucker is? Hold on. Just a theatrics for dramatics. He's like, hey, you want to have sex? She's like, mm, no thanks. He's like, ah, we'll die then. Ah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So homeboy goes from scissors to knives to hammers. Hammers? A hammer. Okay. So, my bad. Um, so by late summer, the press has dubbed the culprit of these murders as the vampire of Dusseldorf. So dramatic. Right. Obviously, this received considerable national and international attention. The press believed that they had to have been multiple assailants just due to the sheer savagery, lack of victim profile, and a change in MO. Uh-huh. But what year is this? Do we know what year this is? 1930. 1930. Yeah. So, like, this is Nazi Germany. Wait, 19, this is 19, eight, sorry, 1929. Okay. Yeah, so Nazi Germany at this point. Okay. Um, so, not the most fucked up thing that's happening in Germany at this point. Kind of sad. But pretty fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> September 30th, he meets a 31 year old servant girl. Her name's Ida Ruder. He convinces Ida to go to a cafe with him, and then they go for a walk. They make it down to the river where Peter hits Ida over the head with a hammer. Jesus Christ. Ladies, um, please. Okay, stop, yeah, stop following this guy. Stop going to second locations with people you just met. He does other things, but um, yeah. At some point, she regains consciousness, and then Peter hits her over the head again with a hammer. I should let me clarify. I am not victim blaming. Just. But fucking hell, man. Yeah. I want to know why what, is he so trustworthy? I just I want to know what was about like about this guy. Like, was it like was he just had a way with words? Right. Was, was he, he just charismatic? Was he handsome? Like, he wasn't awful looking. Oh right, I guess there would be pictures. Yeah, but I'm not like going off into like a second location with somebody just because they're good looking. I also, I guess I feel like times are different now, right? I guess. Because like shit like this has happened forever and has been going on. Right, I guess. Now it's like, maybe not. Maybe. I maybe I won't go for a casual stroll down to the river and be alone with this stranger I just met. Just saying like, if I were to be dating, I'm taking my own car. Yeah, that's fair. I'm, I just fucking Christopher Curtin, right? Peter Curtin. Peter Curtin. <laughs> Peter Curtin tales. Peter Curtin. I feel like he would have just had like, it's just, I'm glad he didn't live in a time where there was like Tinder, you know? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. 
the body count. count would probably it would just be like through the fucking roof man As his, his body count is already through the fucking roof that's fair <laughs> all right so um last attack to last attack happened on september 30th moving on to october 11th um he basically does the same thing to a 22 year old named elizabeth dorier october 25th peter attacks two more women with a hammer they both survived but that was because his hammer broke not a good hammer. Not a great hammer. Got to get you like a framing hammer. Yeah, like a like a sturdy one. It's interesting to me that all his victims have been women except that one dude. There's been like a couple of dudes. Okay. So I wonder what it was about those dudes cuz like clearly he has a thing with hurting women. Yeah. And then just kind of randomly I think it's more of just a, like maybe the it was like opportunity. An opp- it's like a crime of opportunity. I think yeah. all of them were crimes of opportunity. Yeah, but like he clearly favors female victims. Well, they're easier to like. He's not power. He's not only killing. He's not just randomly killing everyone he meets. Well, it's like it's easier to overpower a woman. Yeah, but what I'm saying Especially is, what was when it they about were apparently the, three feet tall back then? Like, what made him go? I'm gonna kill this dude. Mm, I don't know. November seventh, Peter goes back to Old Faithful and strangles and stabs a five year old named Gertrude Alberman. Okay. Um. So. It was only two days after that that a local newspaper received a map revealing the location of the grave of Maria Han from like yonder ago. Yeah. The drawing also revealed where he had left the body of the five-year-old, describing the exact position of the body. And they did like an analysis of the handwriting and concluded that the person who um, left this note was also the same person to leave the note from before. Right. Handwriting analysis. Yeah. They did this. Looks right. <laughs> yeah. It looks the same. Um, so fortunately for my brain, Gertrude Alberman was Peter's last murder. Like the last one for sure? The last one that we know of? For sure. Okay. Um, he did go on a hammer swinging spree between February and May of 1930, but they all survived. Okay. <laughs> did, did you like that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing him walking down the street swinging a hammer. Are you ready for the fall of this asshat? I'm ready for the fall of the asshat. Okay. I really put on my notes like, okay, so. May 14th, 1930. Oh, oh you're so close, isn't so close. it, to, your birth, to someone's birthday? Mm-hmm. Um, so, May 14th, 1930. Some dude approaches a woman named Mariah Budlick. Mariah Butlick. Bud. Bud. Like a rosebud. Right, like a rosebud. And then you look at, um, she's coming off the train. She's looking for a job and a place to stay. This man offers to take her to a local hostel and she agrees because she's new in town. Our homegirl gets a little concerned when this dude tries to lead her through an empty park. Um, so they start arguing. She's like, where's this hostel? She's like, why the fuck are we going through this empty park? Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Another man comes up and asks Maria, or sorry, Mariah, if this guy is bothering her. Mariah says yes, and the dude just kind of walks away. The, the guy g- who was leading her walked away, or the guy who asked her? It's like, hey, is this guy bothering you? Yes. Okay, bye. Well, just, the guy she was with okay. walked I was away. Like, what a fucking asshole. Is this guy? <laughs> She's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, I was just wondering. All right, well, yeah, I thought so. Hey, I told you guys. <laughs> Someone so, owes me five marks. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the guy who interrupted the first one was Peter Curtin. 
Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. She's having the worst day ever. Fucking awful, terrible luck. Jesus. Yeah. So Peter invites her back to his apartment for a bite to eat. Mariah, all too aware of how people in her new town. Apparently, um, crash are, course. Are apparently just like behaving. She told Peter she wasn't interested in having sex with him. Peter takes that fairly well, I guess, and he agrees to take her to a hotel. Instead, he lures her into the woods where he rapes and attempts to strangle her. Okay, hold on. Wait a second. I need to know, and you probably don't have the answer because <laughs> they probably didn't go into that great detail, but we just, you just argued with someone because they're trying to take you through an empty park where this guy, who history has no idea who he is, was probably about to do some fucked up shit to this lady. Yeah. And then of all the fucking people, Peter fucking Curtin <laughs> saves you, and somehow he lures you into the woods? Like, yeah. what the like, fuck? I, I want to know. Like, what the fuck? Jesus Christ. Right. So, fortunately for her, she survives. And while she didn't report this assault, she did tell her friend about it in a letter. However, she addressed that letter incorrectly. So, the letter was opened at the post office by a clerk on May 19th. The clerk was concerned at best. Yeah. Um, so, he sends the letter to the police. So, they track down Mariah, interview her. Because, like, maybe this guy could be their guy. She tells them that the reason he let her go was because she told him he couldn't remember. She couldn't remember where his address was. But she's lying. So, she takes the police to Peter's home. Jesus Christ, Peter. Yeah. Um, Mariah confirms that this is where she met her attacker. And the landlady confirms that the tenant was Peter Curtin. Oh, so we got a name now. Yeah. Name dropped. Peter Curtin. Yeah. Maybe Fuck. I forgot to mention this, but Peter isn't home when Mariah is spilling everything. It looks like we've reached the curtain fall. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Peter does see Mariah and like the police in the communal hallway. And then he like kicks rocks. Yeah. So the police chief was able to search his property and they have reason to believe that he might be the vampire of Dusseldorf. There was a coffin and a cape. Yeah. Dirt from Dusseldorf. Like an EpiPen because he's allergic to garlic now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, so Peter confessed to his wife that, yeah, he raped Mariah, so he's got to go because he already has a rape charge from his last stint with yeah. the law peter's got warrants yeah so he finds lodging in another area of the town and he doesn't return home for like four days yeah i'll just go to a different part of town they'll, they'll never, never find, find me, me. <laughs> they'll never find me <laughs> so upon returning he confesses to his wife that he is the vampire of dusseldorf and with curtain's full consent he urged his wife to collect the substantial reward that was offered for his capture. Wow, okay. Yeah, so um, she contacts the police the very next day. She tells them she had no idea about the murders, but that her husband had confessed to her and that they were going to meet up later outside of a church. That afternoon, Peter Curtin was arrested at gunpoint. I, I guess so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're not, my, no. They're not taking any chances that <laughs> they go to arrest him and they just end up at a cafe. Yeah. And then for a casual stroll down by the river. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> like he is very charming. Yeah. Maybe he is a vampire. You know, he's just like doing the eye thing. Oh, he's just like David Blaining it. Yeah. 
So, Peter Curtin freely admits to his guilt and all the crimes attributed to the vampire of Dusseldorf. He admitted to 68 crimes, 9 murders, and 31 attempted murders. Jesus. Which doesn't really add up to 68, but somewhere you know in there, I'm sure. I think we've we've shown that math is not our strong suit in this episode. <laughs> he made no attempts to excuse his crimes. He was adamant that he did not torture any of his child victims, which I would great. I, I would argue that that wasn't true. Fucking huh. give him a goddamn Nobel Prize, you know. You get this man a gold star. He yeah, didn't great. torture he didn't children. Torture the children that you murdered. Awesome. Right. He admitted to the investigators and psychiatrists that the actual sight of blood was enough to bring him to orgasm. Wow. Strangulation was enough to bring him to orgasm. Apparently, this guy was just coming everywhere. He's just like. Yeah, just everywhere. And All then over. As soon as he Sorry would. Sorry for the sound effect. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, after he would finish, he would apologize to his victim. So, you know, cool. He claimed to have drunk the blood from the throat of one victim from the temple of another and then just like lick the blood off the hands of a third. Okay. Um, he did make a note to say that he did drink too much blood from the neck wound and that he did get sick from it. Well, okay. Because that is a thing that will happen. Yeah, but I feel like you have to drink a lot of fucking blood to get sick. Mm-hmm. Like a lot. Like a lot. Yeah. Yeah, so like a lot. He also admitted to decapitating a swan so he could drink the blood from it. <laughs> God damn. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, fuck. Just so, just randomly out of nowhere. Oh, and also, also- I killed a swan and... <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I also like I killed her and her and then like the five year old and I also decapitated a swan. And drank its blood. FYI, swan blood. Not as tasty as human blood. Yeah. So it can sustain us, but it's not the best. (laughs) Makes our eyes yellow instead of red, right? It's a half life. A cursed life. Right. So um (laughs) I laugh so I don't cry. So, Peter was extensively interviewed by a Dr. Carl Berg. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, kind of like what he discovered was like his primary motive for committing any form of criminal activity was sexual pleasure. Yeah, we needed a doctor to tell us that. (laughs) Yeah. A majority of his assaults had been committed while his wife worked evenings. Furthermore, the actual side of his victim's blood had been like, like an like a aphrodisiac integral mhm like sexual stimulation like he needed it yeah um curtin further elaborated to dr berg that he had once committed an attack once he had committed an attack or murder the feeling of tension he experienced before the commission of the crime would be suspended by one of relief oh so like you know the the big release. The big release. Yeah. When he was asked about his choice of weapons, it was basically like, he did this one, to deceive the investigators, and two, because his objective was to see the victim's blood, it didn't matter what he used, as long as he could get, like, blood. Mm-hmm. So, Peter Curtin stated, whether I took a knife or a pair of scissors or a hammer in order to see blood, it was a matter of indifference to me or mere chance. Often, after the hammer blows, the bleeding victims moved and struggled just as they did when they were throttled. Graphic. Yeah. 
Um, he claimed he only raped his female victim so that the investigators would think that sex was the motive for the crime um, and confessed that many of the strangulation victims had only survived his attacks because he achieved an orgasm early on during the assault. So what about that? So like he would strangle people, he would get off on it, and then like if he got off soon, like soon enough, he would just like leave them. I alone. guess walk away. I don't know. Yeah, but what about that? Does not make it sexually motivated. It it does turn out to be like sexually motivated, right. but he would um like rape them. Yeah, like the rape for him was not the sexual gratification as much the strangulation was. Right. Okay. Oh, I get it. Okay, I get yeah. it. Okay. Um. So, Berg and other psychologists that had like interviewed him concluded that Peter Curtin was not insane. Um, he was fully able to control his actions and appreciated the criminality act of his conduct. They all ruled that he was legally sane and competent to stand trial. But Peter was really like all over the place because he contradicted all of what he said to like legal examiners. Mm -hmm. He told legal examiners that his primary motive was to strike back at an oppressive society and like what he considered to be like an injustice of him being like repeatedly incarcerated throughout his life even though like you know he did all those things right yeah and as a form of revenge for the neglect and abuse that he endured as a child so i mean like i get that he was abused as a child however that does not give you permission to be an asshole later in life no, it does not. Yeah. <laughs> so on April 13th, 1931, Peter Curtin faced trial in Dusseldorf. He was charged with nine counts of murder and seven charges of attempted murder. He pleaded guilty by reason of insanity. Or, sorry, he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity to all charges. Okay. Um, during the trial, Peter Curtin was kept in a heavily guarded, like, shoulder-high iron cage. Okay. It was specifically constructed to protect him from the attacks by the relatives of his victims, and his feet were shackled whenever he was inside of it. Mm -hmm. So, oh, so it was for his protection. It's for his protection. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. Um, during his trial, he claimed that his initial confession was just so his wife could get the reward money that was offered for the capture of the Dusseldorf vampire. Unpressed as to his motivation in confessing. Peter Curtin reiterated, why don't you understand that I am fond of my wife and that I am still fond of her? I have done many wrongs. I have been unfaithful over and over again. My wife has never done anything wrong. Even when she heard of the many prison sentences I have served, she said, I won't let you down. Otherwise, you'll be lost altogether. I wanted to fix for my wife a carefree old age. So. Sweet. Yes, yeah. I don't know. Um, after a few days into his trial, though, he told his defense attorney that he wished to change his plea of unguilty to guilty. Okay. Stating, I have no remorse as to whether the recollection of my deeds, like he didn't feel like ashamed of them. Um, thinking back to the details is not all unpleasant. He enjoyed it. So, and then when he was asked if he considered a conscious... Like, if he had a conscience, he said that he didn't. Wow. Um, the prosecution counteracted Curtin's insanity plea by introducing five doctors that had, like, interviewed him before. And they all testified that he was legally sane and had been perfectly in control of his action and impulses. And one expert testified that 
His motivation for crime was obviously sexual gratification, but basically Peter got off by his acts of brutality and violence and just knowing the the pain and misery that he brought to others. Yeah, wow. This dude's fucked up. Um, I don't want to go into the court case too much just because it brings up some of those things that I don't want to trigger people yeah, for it. Yeah. Um, so if you want to look that up by yourself, by all means, go for it. Okay. Um, his trial lasted 10 days. Um, and on April 22nd, the jury deliberated for under two hours before reaching their verdict, which, I mean, if you hear about jury deliberation, it's not very long. Right. Um, Peter Curtin was found not guilty. He was found not guilty? I'm just kidding. He was found oh, guilty. I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, just those eyes, man. Yeah. He's like, he was found not guilty and actually we're all caught go- later at the cafe with the entire jury <laughs> just drinking <laughs> and having dinner. We're all going to go down to the meadow later. Yeah. Um. So he was sentenced to death on nine counts of murder and seven counts of attempted murder. And it was said that he displayed no emotion as the sentence was being addressed. Not surprising. Yeah. His last statement to the court was that now he saw his crimes as being so ghastly that he did not want to make any sort of excuse for them. So, like, that's the most upstanding thing he's ever done, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Peter did ask for permission to go to confessions um, and to write a letter of apology to the relatives of his victims and a final farewell letter to his wife. And was he allowed all three of those things? He was allowed all three of those things. Okay. On the evening of July 1st, 1931, Peter would receive his last meal. What was it? Wiener schnitzel. Really? Yes. A bottle of white wine and fried potatoes. Do you love wiener schnitzel? Um, Peter asked for seconds and the prison staff, staff allowed it. Wow. He's hungry. Yeah. On July 2nd, in the early morning, Peter would be walked unassisted by the prison psychiatrist and priest to the guillotine. Oh, a guillotine. A guillotine. Damn, son. Um, Before his head was placed on the guillotine, Peter had just one last question to ask the psychiatrist. What was it? Tell me, after my head is chopped off, will I still be able to hear, at least for a moment, the sound of my own blood gushing from the stump of my neck? I feel like we've... That would be the pleasure to end all pleasures. Have we talked about that before? Because that sounds really familiar. I don't think so. And also, real that's super fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> the psychiatrist, <laughs> I assume, did not answer him. <laughs> He's like, Peter, just stop. Okay. Um, he asked Peter if he had any last words to say, and he simply replied, no. I said them already, doctor. I, I want I, to know if my blood will be... I want to know if I will hear the blood rushing from my stump. Will I be able to hear the blood or not? <laughs> um, so, his head was by... Okay, so after they took the head off. Uh-huh. Because that's what happens on a guillotine. Is that what happens? Yeah. Oh. I'm, so, his what head... What is a guillotine? I'm not familiar. Anyway. Oh, easy, baby. What? What? What did you say? It's what I bought with my stimmy. Um... His head was bisected and mummified. His brain was removed and subjected to like forensic analysis and attempt to explain what the fuck this man was. Um, and his brain revealed no abnormalities. Why was that a hard word? Um, his autopsy revealed that he had an enlarged thymus gland, but otherwise he suffered no, of no other physical abnormalities. Abnormalities. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, after World War II, Peter's head was transported to the United States, 
And if you wish to visit the head of Peter Curtin, you may do so at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Wisconsin Dells, Wisconsin. Wisconsin Dells, Wisconsin. That's a real, um, it's a good name. And that's all I have. That's the end of that episode. Woo. You know, that, that dude's was, fucked up. That was fucked up. That's a really fucked up guy. Like, I'm sorry. He just, there was no peak. It was just, he kept going upwards yeah. and onwards. He just like, it never stopped. Just when you think he, it's going to get less fucked up, he just goes on a hammer swinging fucking. He's just like casual, like hammer swinging spree. Yeah. Wee. Wee. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That was like a lot. Damn, son. Fucking hell. Did you like it? I did like it. I'm glad. It's good stuff. It could have been a lot worse. You should have seen the first one. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you still have it? No. Oh, okay. But I can tell you some other things later. Yeah, maybe off off air. Off record. All right, well, any, any uh, anything you'd like to add? Do you have like a pat? Let's, let let's, let's end on a happy note. Okay. Do you have a happy note? Uh, no. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what? There are uh, chimpanzees in two Czech zoos that have been zooming each other every day. That is precious. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Okay, I love that. Okay, that's, that's, a, a, good, that's a good place to yeah, end. Yeah, that's a good place okay, to end. That's the end of our episode. I'm sorry I ruined your day. All right, thanks for listening. Uh, don't hate me. It's okay, I don't think so. I don't, we'll, do I don't... A, we'll do a lighter episode next week. I feel like as fucked up as the content was... Enough was left to the imagination that it wasn't like a total bummer. Just assume that it was a lot worse than what I said. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, 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 hey. What? Where the bones is. Yeah. Until next time, we are the boneses and we are out. Out. <laughs>